Hello, Energy Gang listeners. If you listened in last week, you know that we now have a sister podcast. It's called The Interchange, and it's hosted by Shale Khan, our senior vice president of GTM Research, and myself. Each week, Shale and I are going to use The Interchange podcast as a vehicle to go beyond the headlines in the energy industry. It's kind of like what we do here on The Energy Gang, but instead of three topics, we're going to pick just one, and we're going to go even deeper into company financials, projects, mergers and acquisitions, policy changes, technology shifts, and we're going to use a lot of data from GTM Research. Right now, you can listen to the first few episodes of The Interchange through your Energy Gang feed, but not for long. The Interchange is actually part of a new service we just launched called GTM Squared. GTM Squared is premium editorial content that gives you insider access to our team of experts. Uh, We're going to have in-depth article series, research highlights, and multimedia extras. And if you like what you hear on this podcast, click your way over to gtmsquared.com to learn more about what Squared has to offer. Now here's the show. This is The Interchange, a weekly conversation on the fast-changing business of energy and clean tech from GTM Squared. And this week, we are talking about winning and losing strategies in the home energy management space. I'm Stephen Lacey, a senior editor at Green Tech Media, one side of the conversation. The other side is in Boston. It is Shale Khan. He's a senior vice president at GTM Research. Shale, hello. Any groundbreaking research you're working on at the moment, something that's going to blow us away and change the way we see the industry? Oh, man, that's a high bar. Uh, yeah, plenty of that. We get It's weekly for the next year. We're going to be coming out with something that changes your whole view on energy in the future, but you're just going to have to watch out for it. <laughs> We've got one other side of the conversation in New York City. Um, Omar Sade is a senior grid analyst at GTM Research what about you, Omar? What kind of data are you digging into right now? Hello, good afternoon or good morning, everyone. Um, what kind of data am I digging into? Geez, a uh, ton on distributed energy, whether it be in the home or looking at utility systems. It's just so much today as, as you know, we, we move to more broader systems and people are looking into these things from different stakeholders. It's, it's a lot. So I know you're a good analyst, but I don't know if our listeners should trust you because it is one in the afternoon and you did say good morning. Well, I didn't know what time we were going to be putting this out. <laughs> That's true. That's true. It is time shifted. Uh, well, we're glad to have you here. And Omar's been working on some really good stuff related to, to home energy management and has been tracking a lot of partnerships and deals in the space and has really characterized the second iteration of this industry. Before we get to that and try to prove how smart we are, perhaps it's time to show how much we don't know. And Shale, I believe it's your turn to challenge us this week. Yeah, so this week we're going to play Guess That Acronym. Um, and this one, actually, one or both of you might know this one, but maybe you don't. Either way, I think it's actually a really important acronym that a lot of people don't know. The acronym is LACE, L-A-C-E. It's used in a actually relatively important manner in the context of energy and the future of energy in the U.S. Uh, Stephen, any idea what LACE is? It's a, it's a version of... LCOE, right? Yeah, yeah. You you uh, know it. Oh, and I forgot what it is. Oh my god. Uh, I I actually really forgot what it is. I feel ashamed. <laughs> Omar, you have any idea? I mean, I could. I'm I just thinking about it. The acronym L probably is localized. A could be aggregated. C cost energy localized aggregated cost 
of energy. Oh, that's interesting. That's like the, that'd be like the that that's LMP, like the like yeah. local marginal price. No, that's not it. It's levelized that. something cost of energy. Right? Levelized aggregated. Could it be aggregated when we're in this derp dream uh, rev world? Too many, too many acronyms. It is neither of those things. It is levelized avoided cost of electricity. Levelized avoided cost of electricity. And it's an acronym that's used by the EIA, the Energy Information Administration. So when they're doing their analysis of various generating technologies um, and they're looking at the cost competitiveness of any given technology, they make the point, which is a good point, that it doesn't actually make a lot of sense just to compare the LCOE, the levelized cost of energy of each technology against each other, because different generating technologies have different resource profiles, they generate at different times, they are or are not dispatchable. And so it's not really, it doesn't make a lot of sense to just take, say, the LCOE of solar and compare it to natural gas. So they invented this new term called LACE that takes into account the utilization rate, the existing resource mix, the capacity value, and all these other things, and comes out with basically the sort of benchmark against which a, an LCOE should be compared. If they come up with a lace for a technology and you beat it, then that means that technology in that place at that time is competitive. If you can't beat it, it's not. And what's interesting is, you know, uh, the EIA is notoriously bad at predicting growth of renewables. It's the EIA just consistently gets it wrong, always in the same direction, um, projecting less growth in renewables than actually happens. And it's not the fault of LACE. Um, I'm just looking at the numbers right now. So the latest EIA report has the LACE for solar in 2020. So this is a project that comes online in 2020, around on average $80 a megawatt hour. I don't think that's crazy. I think that's you know a reasonable benchmark against which to compare solar. The problem is that their projected LCOE, the cost of solar, during that same time is about $125 a megawatt hour, which is just crazy high. Far, far too high. We're below that number today, even when you take subsidies out of the equation for utility-scale solar. So LACE is right, but they get the cost of the actual technology wrong. Well, I am ashamed to say that I couldn't remember that acronym because I have even, I have even written on this. So thanks for making a, a fool of me in front of our listeners. My one question would be, does LACE accommodate to to the other side of the equation, like demand response and different technologies on energy efficiency, or is this strictly generation? It's actually, it's a really good point. Um, it is just generation. LACE is specific to generation technologies, so it looks at like coal and natural gas and nuclear and bio, biomass, geothermal and wind and solar and stuff, but it doesn't look at a demand response or other demand side technologies. I wonder, I wonder if you could do that apples to apples, but I think it would be valuable because you do want a benchmark against which like the investment in a given demand side resource should or shouldn't pencil. And that would be one way to do it. If you have the answer, send us an email at podcasts at greentechmedia.com. And we'd love to hear if you know of or have a metric for, for measuring uh, demand side reductions in that way. So let's talk about home energy management systems, a, uh, a burgeoning market after some struggles a few years ago. We're seeing uh, some pretty compelling activity, and Omar's been tracking that. So I-, I thought it would be helpful to start with a little bit of background so we can understand what companies are doing in this space. And um, a little history first. Uh, we, we talk about the bubble in the solar sector, and 
I think people forget that there was this bubble in the HEMS space as well. From around, I don't know, 2007, 2008 to 2011, there was this slew of companies that was promising unprecedented control of, of home energy use. And of course, Microsoft and Google jumped in the game at that time. And the premise was really simple, as it is today, right? I mean, you give people access to their energy use in an easy to understand way, and people are going to start changing their consumption. You know, if you can measure it, you can change it. But it didn't really work that way. Um, and Microsoft and Google and Tendrils, Tendril and many others took this really expensive hardware-centric approach, thinking that screens were the solution, that, that if you just gave people a bigger, flashier screen and controls, and that would help them reduce their energy use. And people were just not willing to plunk down the hundreds of bucks for a big clunky screen that required them to do more work and analyze their consumption and perhaps just save them a few bucks a month. So, you know, many of our listeners might know that Tendril almost went out of business because it had taken on so much debt and had just was just sucking in VC money in order to pay for the manufacturing of its um, in-home displays um, and it shifted away from that strategy. Google and Microsoft ditched their programs in 2011, and a ton of other hardware providers dropped out of the industry. So there's been a resurgence in the sector, as uh, Omar has been cataloging. And we, uh, Google got bought back in the market by acquiring Nest, which is the sleek thermostat maker, for more than $3 billion. Tendril has gone to cloud-based analytics and, of course, come back from the brink of failure and inked a lot of utility partnerships. There's O-Power, which, you know, back when HEMS really started taking off, they were just mailing out, uh, you know, they had simple mailers to homeowners comparing their energy use to neighbors. And now it's getting into disaggregation and really deep analytics for utilities so they can pinpoint specific energy savings opportunities. And, and we just have a ton of new ways to get in the home, cable companies, home security companies, solar installers, they're all kind of bundling these energy management services together, or at least trying to. So that's HEMS 1.0. It was kind of defined by the point solutions and clunky hardware. And HEMS 2.0 is cloud-based software, partnerships, multifunctional platforms. So what is what do those buzzwords mean for actually uh, how companies are selling services? Before I actually get to Omar to that question, I want to know if you have anything to fill in for that brief history, Shale. Yeah, I think you covered it pretty well. I guess what I would add is it, it feels to me, and I'm interested to get your take on this, Omar, but it feels to me like the resurgence, um, the fact that home energy management is sort of back at the forefront now and you have some more successful companies is... Uh, in part sparked by just attention that was regained by Nest's singular success in the acquisition by Google, but also maybe two trends that are occurring in parallel that are sort of directing the HEMS world in, in a couple of different ways. And one would be the Internet of Things and sort of excitement around Internet of Things in general and the way in which energy is just a, a component, but a pretty important component of the Internet of Things. And then the other being the growth of distributed energy resources where ultimately home energy management systems for residential distributed energy resources can be the sort of central point of contact with the customer so that as you start plugging more things into the home, solar, storage, demand response, load control, whatever, uh, home energy management can bring it all together. And so I, I think both of those things have 
led to increased interest over the past couple of years. But I'm interested to hear whether they're taking it in the same direction or whether those are actually divergent trends. Wow. Where to start? <laughs> um, I think, you know, Stephen, I think you do a great job painting the picture of sort of HEMS 1.0. Um, I love how you touched upon hardware moving the software. I think that's very applicable, and we've seen that in the past. Tendril is a great example, and they've really positioned themselves to this software world, not just software applications, but also software platforms in the sense they're looking to be the platform for also third parties to build applications on top. Um, I think that's a phenomenal progression as an industry, how we're moving towards leveraging technologies that are ready in the ground. I mean, you mentioned screens. That's that's something that everyone has in the palm of their hand with their smartphone. Yeah, exactly. Like back when, when they started, we didn't have cell phones like we do today. It's really a fundamental shift in how they can deliver these services. Yeah, completely agree on that. I mean, this and especially today with price points going down for technologies, especially hardware, um, it's really tough to get into the market as a new player, as a hardware player, as a hardware play. I mean, the hardware plays today are for those that can create, that can produce uh, screens, that can produce thermostats, that can produce anything tangible at scale. So innovation in that domain is almost software driven. It's the applications that you can build on top. So I think, Shale, you hit on this very well, the resurgence of HEMS. Um, today, I mean, I, I think this really started around 20, 2013 where the market experienced a surge of consumer demand in connected devices. Again, this might have been a combination of things, the decrease of pricing, increased customer awareness from all the companies that are in, in this field, and also increased, increased um, interest from utilities, broadband providers, home security companies, even entertainment co uh, console producers and solar players. I mean, this is where everything essentially is colliding in the home. You have these discrete segmented markets that are now converging into what we're talk we call today IoT or smart home, IoT for the home or smart home or whatever you want to label it. It's this convergence of multiple markets and value streams to address the end user. You hit on it. It's a bunch of different markets colliding all at once. And for me, that makes it interesting but also super confusing to figure out where things are headed. One interesting way to do it, I think, is to talk about different categories of players that are involved in HEMS right now and then figure out what they're trying to get out of it. Um, and then we can use that to sort of determine where we think things might be headed. So you mentioned a bunch of them, but let's, let's maybe go through some groups of players one by one. So you mentioned utilities. Let's, let's start there. So what are utilities doing right now in HEMS, and why? Mm -hmm. Well, utilities, you know, if, if you're new to the market, you would, the first thing you would say is, might be, hey, how are you, why are utilities investing in HEMS? Isn't it counterproductive? Don't they sell electrons? Uh, in some places, they're mandated to reach uh, some energy efficiency or demand response goals in some states. In others, it's a question about customer engagement. It's how do we retain these customers in face of increasing competition from different service providers. So if a utility doesn't offer this, will someone else, and will someone else essentially reduce our baseline of selling electrons to the end user? Um, so utilities are getting very involved in this space. I think they're really interested in not only developing their own platforms for demand response, but also um, participating in programs where they can essentially give end users smart thermostats, give them the ability to consume, to monitor and make decisions of their, on their energy consumption by themselves. So it's really customer retention, customer engagement for the utilities. And I mean, this is not something small. This is something that's 
really uh, on the front lines of a lot of these utilities. How would you break it up? Is the customer retention piece layered over all of those other decisions? Or do you just have like a certain number of utilities that are interested in making that relationship more sticky? And then you have some that sort of begrudgingly say, all right, we have these efficiency mandates. And now let's see how we can you know, help people reduce energy in the home. Do, do you have a rough breakdown of what kind of utilities are thinking about this in different ways? Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think, you know, an easy way to look at this is the utilities that are mandated obviously have to hit those targets. Um, unless, I mean, they, ob- they, they have to, as in they might be penalized if they don't. But then you have progressive states where it really is like investor-owned utilities that are really being pushed towards this. If you look at California, if you look at some of the, pro- the, the activity in New York and, and some other states that are pretty progressive, the IOUs there are really being pushed by their investors to, to get to um, adopt those um, new uh, solutions and provide them to their end users. I mean, not only do some people offer these programs, but they, in fact, they even finance them for you. They'll give you a, a, a Nest thermostat or a gateway or a, a different, you know, an EcoB thermostat or another device for free, and you'll pay them back through the energy savings. So let's let's maybe try to close out the utility piece of this. So if I can summarize. We have a bunch of utilities, I think an increasing number throughout the country, who are proposing to or already have implemented programs through which they directly provide home energy management solutions to customers, either because they're mandated to do so or because they view it as a way to maintain the customer relationship. I think that's a little bit further out ahead than you know some utilities which are thinking about doing the same thing with solar. So that's why they're interested in it. Um, well, let's talk about a different group. How about the big technology companies, Google, Apple, you mentioned both of those. Uh, what are they doing in this world and why? Yeah, I think, you know, this is possibly one of the more fast-paced or fast-moving uh, segments of, the, you know, the grid edge. It's, you know, how these large technology companies that create, they're market makers, essentially. They create um, interest in the market by just, you know, announcing Apple or Google those that announce products, the home kit has just created this buzz. You know, is this going to be the Siri connected world that everyone's talking about? Is it actually going to gain in significant consumer traction? Well, you know what? Nest and Google entering the space by acquiring Nest really did bring home energy management to the front line of a lot of consumers. It's always been, in the past, it's always been like security or it's always been uh, convenience or comfort. But slowly and progressively, energy management is coming to the front lines of of the end user. And a lot of credit has to be given to those companies like Google and Apple that are spending the marketing dollars and that's benefiting the entire market, the whole vendor space. So those market, you know, it's, I, I think it's very interesting to look at Apple uh, with their home kit. Um, it's just, you know, they're a market maker, as I said, and they undoubtedly have established relationships with a lot of third-party uh, service providers like, you know, the AT&Ts in the world that do have extending, that are extending deeper into the home with energy management offerings and smart home offerings. But they lack, I feel like they lack the utility connection. So they have this great hardware piece. They've, got, they've had great hardware success with iPhone, but not necessarily with the iWatch or other products they've tried in the past. So I'd keep my eyes on Apple in the sense that they could be doing some very interesting stuff, especially as they open up to like software applications, a software application market in the home where you can essentially go and buy different software applications that then will allow you to have some insights into whether it be disaggregated information of home consumption or maybe an energy gateway into other insights. It's, you know, the innovation is happening 
And it's these companies that are spending the marketing dollars that are really getting consumers aware of the products and excited to, to invest in them. So, right. So, uh, energy is secondary. Energy is a means to an end to Google and Apple. They're not in the energy business. They're in the in-home software services business or the in-home data business, right? And energy is just one piece of that. I think you could say that to more than just Google and 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 uh, Apple. I think you can say that to a number of other companies. You know, outside the smart thermostats or the just the the smart thermostat domain, I think you can say that to a lot of the software com- uh, companies that are moving into the space. It's more about the data they're acquiring, the analytics they're building on top of it, and then providing that for a number of different things. I mean, you can run that data for different end results, um, and then again, the whole notion around who owns the data comes to light, but. Utilities are interested in gathering data to segment, for example, to, to do diff- run different applications on top of um, large corporations, large uh, service providers are also looking at that. And energy plays into it, yeah, definitely. Um, but also a number of other things play into this whole uh, software-driven data um, and, play. And, and, and it's also, you know, moving in the other direction, I think Opower is a good example of this. They started in the home. They started with simple mailed energy reports. They got into online reports. And now they're, they have so much data on consumers, they're trying to provide the back-end analytics for utilities and a, and a platform for them to run all their customer interactions, like their call centers, their billing, everything. So this is a company that has sort of started in efficiency and gone in the other direction and it's a another example of what they can do with this additional data beyond just energy use. Right, right. But I, I mean, I think that actually highlights this interesting contrast that I want to tease out a little bit, which is the distinction between one group of companies in the home energy management space for whom energy is a small subset of what they're really interested in. So I, I'm pretty sure you can put Google and Apple in that category. You could probably put Alarm.com and maybe Vivint even, but the big box retailers there's a bunch of companies that fit that mold. And then there's a different group of companies that seem to me, at least for the time being, to be energy companies first and foremost. And they view home energy management as a portion of the energy ecosystem they want to build. So Opower is probably one of those. But I also think it'd be interesting for us to talk about the companies that are doing other distributed energy resources. So Enphase has a big play in home energy management. Solar City increasingly does too. SunPower is an investor in Tendril. Right, so they're all coming at this from a totally different perspective that is entirely energy centric, and I'm sort of trying to make sense in my head of whether I think that ultimately more homeowners are going to have home energy management systems that are there for the purpose of optimizing their domestic energy consumption, or whether they're going to have home energy management systems that are just another connected device uh, along with all the other things that they have in the house. I think there are a lot of things you guys mentioned that are really cool to touch on, and especially in this space. Solar players being one of them, you know, they have that customer connection with the energy conscious customer. Um, they have a foot in the door, if you will, in the home. Um, you know, there and and there have been a lot of R and D announcements, sort of trial runs for aggr- for integrating different DERs, if you will, or aggregating some sort of energy storage with EV charging, and then saying you know, we're going to optimize this with this platform. And there's been a ton of those in California specifically, and then elsewhere, where you know they run pilot projects and then almost boast about boost about um, talk about it through press releases, etc. But if you look into it, there are actually some of those that are you know 
a lot of those partnerships that are being established today with solar players and then energy efficiency companies are with sort of proven technologies or more mature technologies. So solar companies that are working with with thermostat, smart thermostat technologies um, that have really promoted those and are really um, going forward with those offerings to the end users. And then there are a lot of those exploratory efforts that we talked about. Um, Enphase being one of them. You know, they've they've really I would say almost pioneering the way in the sense that they're looking to to they have I don't think they've gotten to commercial rollout yet, but they're really looking to integrate energy storage um, and then solar, well the inverter, with a home energy management platform to do both sides of the equation, consumption and energy management, then optimize it. So I think that they're one player that's really interesting to look at, especially you know as they move toward commercial rollouts. But we are in you know the, the beginning of these stages where uh, those players are moving towards that, but aren't there yet. I mean, Solar City has had a relationship in the past with Nest. They've had sort of some software applications that you could do some sort of uh, monitoring of home energy consumption, but aren't there yet. They haven't put a large commitment in that space, but they are definitely conversations are happening. And those are with companies that uh, are, are in the space and are in the ecobees of the world, the nests of the world, and then moving on the platform or gateways of the world to enable more processing. Let's, let's put some numbers on the added cost here. It's not meaningful in the context of mm-hmm. a solar installation, right? You have a, a somebody's buying solar, that's a ten twenty thousand $20,000 investment. You know, maybe it's financed, maybe it's not. Um, you add a Nest thermostat to that's a few hundred dollars, not a lot. And that's why, you know, in fact, already today with a bunch of solar companies, if you put solar on your rooftop, they will give you a Nest thermostat or they'll give you another thermostat. Like that's happening already today a lot. Sunrun has that program. SolarCity has a similar program. I mean, you, you, can, get a, you can get a HEMS system for one tiny fraction of the cost of a solar system. It's when you start adding other things that are bigger hardware investments like energy storage that it yeah. starts to get a little bit more complicated. And, and one other point that I think is important to make, and to me, something that I think is is going to be really important to monitor if you're trying to compare and contrast the companies that are doing this for energy purposes versus the companies that are doing it for just you know smart home type purposes is distributed energy resources are getting aggregated and bid into utility markets and wholesale markets. Um, and the home energy management system can be a great sort of central point of contact to manage the ways in which the DERs present in the home can be managed. So it can be the point of connection uh, for demand response as well as the solar, mm-hmm. as well as the storage. I think, you know, in part, that's what Enphase is sort of looking to do as well. And to me, that presents ultimately an advantage to the companies that are in this for the energy purpose because that's going to be a complex beast to try to tackle. I'm not convinced necessarily that, you know, the big box retailer or alarm.com is going to know how to play in like an ancillary services market. You know, I'd, I would agree with most of what you're saying, except I think looking to the future, there might be um, a few things that are pretty, su- I thought were pretty surprising, but then, you know, it did make sense in the end um, when, you know, I sat down with some of these people and talked through it. So aggregating DRs, uh, especially behind the meter and how do you how do you, whether it be, uh, how do you participate in a utility program, whether it be demand response or others, or even wholesale markets? Um, that is something that a lot of players are looking at or exploring at different capacities. One thing that's really interesting, and you were mentioning, you mentioned energy players versus other players that might use energy as a secondary value stream. If you look at um, AT&T, if you look at companies, broadband customer, broadband companies that have this 
that have access to a range of facilities across the entire nation, I would almost place my bets that in the future, those service providers, broadband service providers or security providers specifically, could ultimately aggregate behind the resources flexible loads and then bid into ISO markets, depending on the ISO regulation, whether it be California or, again, I keep mentioning California just because of the interesting dynamics happening around their DERP proposals that are all about aggregating smaller loads or smaller resources than bidding them into the ISO market. I think there's a lot of potential there, and Enphase is one of the companies in this domain that are really pushing forward, but so are many others. There are a lot of other ones that are interested in this whole notion of this whole concept of virtual power plants, how you aggregate different resources and then bid them in. That's one side of the equation. The other equation is utilities. Utilities, uh, you know, as opposed to the ten dollars or $20,000 investment for solar, can offer a financed home energy management platform to the end user to participate in a utility demand response program. Essentially, you give them 20, 30 bucks for signing on and then um, compensate them for actually turning down load during points of peak or whatever it may be, uh, whatever it be economically, uh, when, when the economic incentive is there for the utility to, to send that signal. So I think both players are very interested in this domain. I, I want to I try to force us all to make a call here. Um, so oh, let's Lord. let me let me just posit a question and then I'll make us all answer. So ten years from now, um, we you buy a new house and you want to get a home energy management system. Who are you most likely to buy that system from ten years from now? And I'll, I'll let you not pick a specific company, but instead let's just sort of bucket the possibilities. So one would be your local DER provider. So this is the company that is going to you know, also install your solar and your storage and bid you into markets and demand response and all of that. Two would be, and you know, a pure play energy company. Two would be your local technology conglomerate, Google, Apple, uh, whoever else wants Facebook if they want to get into the game. Three would be your home security provider, Alarm.com, Vivint, somebody like that. Four would be your big box retailer, you go to Lowe's or Home Depot or or whatever else, and five would be your utility. So are you asking which is more likely? or So what's going to dominate, you mean? Right. Who's going to win, basically? I think which, the utility. which category wins? I think you the think utility. utility. I do. Jeez. Yeah. Huh. Why? I think that the customer-utility relationship is still strong. And the utility is still seen as the trusted advisor for energy decisions. And when a customer moves into their house, you're going to have a company like Opower that's assisting the utility in sending the right messages about what they can do to improve their energy use and give them all the right products on some sort of platform that they can mix and match and you know create a HEM system. And I think that the tools are there. It's just up to, to utilities to adopt them. And when you look at companies like Opower that are providing these back-end systems and the stickiness of the relationship between the utility and their customers, I think it'll be the utility. And that's not to say huh. that I don't think that the other companies will erode the utility-customer relationship and that there will be all these other opportunities to integrate a system through you know, your cable provider or your solar city or your solar provider or whoever, but the utility will still dominate. Omar, what do you think? Um, I, you know what? I like the sound of that. Um, if I was going to start this whole conversation, I would start it by saying that the tech conglomerates, I think they'll see success in this market. I don't think it will be direct B2C. 
I don't think it will be Nest selling directly to the end user. I think there's going to be an, an, an established longer-term relationship with an energy service company. I think home security might be bundled into the utility domain. Um, I think that you know the utility at the end of the day, especially 10 years down the line, I think will be offering added uh, services, whether it be you know internet services, whether it be um, security services. But I think it's competitive enough today that I think that in the executive offices of these utilities, they're considering, hey, how do we even get a hold of additional value streams? How do we move beyond just energy? So as, again, this whole notion of the, the home co- uh, converging on the, all the, the segments of the home converging into one, I think the same thing is happening in the utility where they're understanding that we, can, uh, we are the energy services company. We can use Nest uh, thermostats or different technologies technologies to increase our customer satisfaction and to offer that. We can even move from home security and offer that uh, as a bundled price. So while you see home security broadband players move into energy, I think you'll also see utilities moving into those other value streams. And as for you know DR providers, I think you can make the same argument where a utility can you know establish a partnership with some of these companies or even offer solar by themselves and then move to offer energy efficiency. Again, it's a smaller uh, ticket item, especially if you're looking at a ten to twenty thousand dollar investment in solar for a two hundred dollar smart thermostat. At the end of the day, I think I agree with Stephen. I think it's a utility. I think that in ten years from now, utilities are going to be pretty ex- um, advanced and tech savvy um, institutions that are looked towards. Again, they are the, going to be the incumbent. They have been and are going to continue to be the incumbent energy service connection with the end user. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, I'll be the utility skeptic then. I mean, I, I think um, I get what you're both saying, and I don't think the utility. I don't. You know, I don't think there's going to be a death spiral or anything like that. I think the utilities will be around. I am somewhat skeptical of the utility industry writ large being able to keep up with the pace of innovation and technology that's occurring in this space. And this space, I mean, DERs in general, not just home energy management. So, you know, I think you'll see some utilities that are offering home energy management systems for the next few years. I have a hard time imagining that they are the ones who install the entire smart home energy system and all the solar and the storage and all of that. And I guess my view is that these things are going to converge. It's it's hard for me to imagine that 10 years from now, Somebody goes to one company to get solar on their rooftop, another company to get a battery on their wall, another company to get load control devices installed, a fourth company, maybe the utility to get the home energy management system. I just feel like at the end of the day, there's going to be one company for most customers who integrates all those things together and optimizes it and bids it into markets and all those things. And I just don't think that company is going to be the utility. I think if I'm placing my bets now, it is most likely to be the DER provider. I don't know whether that's Enphase or SolarCity or, or whoever. But I think those are the companies that are going to figure out how to optimize energy in the home best. And they're going to be increasingly incorporating a holistic set of solutions and figuring out how to monetize all of it. See, so I, I think it's going to be them. But wait, let me just make one other point, which is that none of us answered what I think is probably the <laughs> common wisdom, which is Nest. Like, it should be Nest, right? They're so far ahead of everybody else. They're doing so much more. When you talk about consumer marketing and B2C, like, I see Nest ads on my way from the subway to the office every single day. Why, why wouldn't Nest win? The number of other things that are behind just having a Nest thermostat, I think, are going to fall under the utilities, the, the utilities jurisdiction, or not jurisdiction, but the utilities value proposition to the end of the day. I mean, providing Ecobee, Nest, whoever it may be, um, 
I wanted to make another point, and uh, this falls in line exactly what we're talking about. British Gas acquired Alert Me. That is something that I find to be very significant. Alert Me, if for for those of you who don't really know, is the is the platform behind Lowe's uh, home energy management uh, uh, gateway and is used by a number of other companies as a platform as a service. Um, AT and T is another company that you know is a is a provider that can offer services uh, a platform as a service. So why I think that's significant is that British Gas, a utility, has now is now offering a HEMS platform as a service to other service providers outside of its jurisdiction. I think that alone sort of shows interest that utilities might are moving more seriously in this direction, and that ultimately are going to be the connection with the end user. But I mean. Not to say that Nest doesn't have a play, not to say that others don't have plays in this market. I think they're complementary to a utility's actions. That, uh, you gosh, know, there's so much to respond to here. I just, <laughs> <go> <laughs> well, so of course Nest is going to be a key player in this, but like, what solutions are they providing that is any better than what the utility can? The bring-your-own-device programs are crucial for Nest business because customers will buy the thermostat from Nest, but they'll still rely on the utility to provide the signals and to manage the program under which they're managing their energy use through that thermostat. So ultimately, it's the utility connection that guides that relationship. Well, why would someone why would someone buy the Nest thermostat if they can get it free from the utility? Essentially, it's a, it's a write-off right. for them if they join in a two, three, four-year contract. I guess I'm not convinced that that's what's going to be happening. I don't I don't think they are going to be all introducing these programs that give away the Nest for free, first of all. And second of all, I don't think the Nest on its own is going to be what's interesting 10 years from now. I think the the entire system for the home is going to be what's interesting, and that's where I get more skeptical about but, the utility. And the second point, Stephen, is that... <laughs> <laughs> you make, I mean, you're, you're, I think you're right that like right now it is the link with the utility that is what makes the nest interesting and valuable. But really, I mean, that can be solved through rates. Like if you think that rates in general are going to move towards time variability in the US and we're going to end up with everybody having time of use rates, like the nest doesn't need the utility. You just have to optimize versus rates. Well, look, on your first point, I agree that the distributed energy providers are probably going to be best equipped to provide the best service, but that doesn't mean they're going to be the dominant service provider. I mean, think about 10 years out. There's going to be an explosion of DERs, but the vast majority of customers are still going to be connected to the utility and buying traditional utility service, right? So the DER provider might be the might be providing the best quality service or the most integrated package, but the utility is still going to be the dominant service provider. So when someone moves into their home, they're going to be the person, they're going to be the player that is providing the suite of options that a homeowner might have. Um, And then in addition, I think that we shouldn't discount third-party providers building the software for utilities to manage this stuff. I continually go back to O-Power because I think they're doing really interesting stuff in this in this way and they are firmly on the utility side and they believe that the utility will continue to maintain that relationship and they just need better tools to do it and so I, I think that that's an important part of the picture as well that we haven't really talked about and you know with those better back-end tools I do believe the utility will continue to make that relationship sticky and again that's not to say that their business won't get eroded by other third-party providers I just think they'll still be dominant. So you're not a believer that like the New York Rev model 
is where we're ultimately heading for most utilities because the, the rev the whole premise of it is that the utility ultimately becomes a platform provider they're not the ones who are actually selling the stuff to customers at the end of the day they are the ones who manage the markets in which all those things can play and so in the rev model i'm pretty sure the utility is not going to be the one who's selling you your thermostat Right, but they're the one who, when you have the thermostat, and that thermostat allows you to bid into a demand response market or something like that, they're the one who manages that market. Yeah, look, I mean, I think New York is kind of a unique case at the moment, and I don't necessarily see the rev model dominating utility regulation over the next decade. It'll, you'll see some interesting movement in states, but I think New York is going to be on its own for a few years, and I don't see it being a, a wholesale change to the way utilities are doing business. If I if I had said like thirty years instead of ten, what would that have done? Yeah, that changes the trajectory completely. I don't even really know how to talk about thirty years from now. I mean, it's going to be so wildly different. Ten years is probably the farthest out I'd go. Yeah, I think a lot of those. I think a lot what's happening around Rev, a lot of that will come to light. And in ten years, New York is going to be one of the more progressive places. And I think this is you're going to see things that you're talking about, Shale, in New York. But in ten years, I find it hard to see that you know other states in like the Midwest or elsewhere are going to adopt those types of platform or DSP solutions. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I mean, I don't mean to imply that I think every state is going to do a rev 10 years from now, but I guess directionally, the question here is, you know, are we heading toward a world in which the utility provides all of the energy services to the residential customer? Are we heading toward a world in which the utility manages an increasingly dynamic market? Right. And, you know, if you think it's the former, then maybe it does make sense that the utility is the one who sells the home energy management system to the customer. And if you think it's the latter, I just can't see how the utility is the dominant player there. Not to say the utility is nowhere in the picture. They sell you your electricity for the most part and potentially, you know, manage your ability to utilize your resources most effectively. But I just don't know that you're, you know, signing a check or whatever you do in 10 years, you're, you're tapping the back of your wrist onto a console to pay for your home energy management system from your utility. Well, as always, we want to know what you think. If you have comments, what do you think will happen 10 years out? Send us an email at podcasts at greentechmedia.com. Omar Sade is a senior grid analyst at GTM Research. Thank you so much. And what is the report called so people can go check it out at GTM Research? Um, The report is called Energy in the Connected Home. Um, and yeah, again, you can find it on our website. Uh, you can email us. We'd be happy to discuss it with a lot of people out there. Um, it's something that's at, really at the center of what we, we look at um, on a day-to-day basis when we're talking about uh, the whole notion of DERs taking a broader and, and larger role in the energy market. Shale Khan, always fun, my co-pilot. Likewise. Shale is, of course, the Senior Vice President of GTM Research. And we will catch you next week. If you feel like this podcast is uh, worth your time or even helpful for your company, then you have an opportunity to support it and get more insider discussions like this every week. We will be publishing this podcast on the Energy Gang feed for the month of September. But after that, it will only be available to members of GTM Squared. GTM Squared, of course, is our brand new premium editorial service. GTM Squared subscribers receive this podcast, and much more exclusive content, including in-depth article series, research highlights, and other multimedia extras. If you like what you hear, make your way over to gtmsquared.com to learn more about what Squared has to offer. Thanks a lot for listening. We hope you'll join us next time. I'm Stephen Lacey for The Interchange. Interchange.